You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. It is the greatest Sunday of the year um, for college basketball fans. Despite a really wonky setup um, for the selection show, the bracket is now released. Tournament getting started uh, with the first four on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the whole first round getting started on Thursday. I'm excited. How are you feeling? I feel really good. I wasn't able to watch any of the selection show because I have a job that does not permit me to do so. But I was getting texts and checking Twitter throughout, and everything I saw was just very negative about it. I got home and was able to watch where Charles Barkley was essentially just trying to fill out the bracket over Kenny while Kenny had the marker, so that was just great television. I hope to God they get rid of this. I guess the like unveiling of the teams wasn't that bad. You could kind of tell. You could tell who's out based on alphabetical order. Obviously, I still think they should go back to releasing pair by pair. Yeah, Ernie just um, such a such a tease to Notre Dame fans right before where they would have come up come up alphabetically. Um, I will say, once uh, well, I guess the the format obviously sucks, but they did go through it fairly quickly, um, yeah. so I think they already felt the, the backlash coming. Um, but it, like, took me a second to realize, you know, that St. Mary's wasn't getting in. Yeah. It's like, a lot of these teams um, that were out were, you know, assumed to be fairly comfortably in. Um, right. I mean, teams like USC, uh Thought they would they would be in over you know a team from their conference like UCLA and Baylor, um, Baylor, Louisville, a um, couple of surprises, and then you know Syracuse always seems to be on the right the right side. Um, so fucking sick of Syracuse. You know they're so gonna go on like them. you know they're gonna go on like a Sweet Sixteen run or something now. Oh, absolutely. They they in no way should be in the tournament. It's it's a sick joke. I wrote. So many times that Syracuse is dead, Syracuse is dead, this is it, Syracuse is dead. Jim Beheim somehow figures out a way. Where, okay, where's the FBI at? Where are they? Jim Beheim in the selection. I don't, don't know. Lining it with cash to get his team in the tournament. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of these uh, coaches and programs in trouble right now giving the bag to recruits, but yeah, Beheim is going the other way. Given the, given the bag to the selection committee. He's on his part. They're not looking for I mean, we're on to him. Sure. Well, well, misdirection. Um, okay, so let's, let's get into it. Virginia, number one overall seed. Um, South region, top seeds in that region. Of course, Virginia, yeah, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Arizona, Kentucky, rounding out the top five. Who are you liking to come out of this region? I went back and forward on this. I've been... Pretty hardcore in the Ville, or Virginia column for a while, like the last few weeks. Something changed. Arizona. I, I'm going Arizona. I think the way they're playing right now, no one can match up with DeAndre Ayton. There's not a single person in college basketball that can defend that guy. Alonzo Trier's actually playing pretty well right now, and if Raleigh Alkins can get going, that team is going to be scary. So... I don't know what it is. Was it the standing O that the Arizona fans gave after Sean Miller was defiant in his press conference that, that gets his team going? I, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think Kentucky has it. I don't think they've turned the corner, and I think Cal knows it. Cincinnati, you just can't trust the score. Tennessee is still too much of an unknown to me. I've, I've watched him play quite a few times, and I'm just, I can't get a good feel for them, so i got to go Arizona. I feel like this is the weakest region um, overall. Yes. But um, Arizona is a big challenge in the Sweet 16. I do think Virginia will um, pull through and make it out. I mean, same thing they've been doing all year. No one scored 70 points on them, which is absolutely ridiculous. But um, teams that really, outside of Virginia Tech shooting, lights out in the first half against Virginia. The team that was most effective against Virginia was Duke because they have those two dominant big guys inside that, you know, Isaiah Wilkins, as good as he is defensively, really wasn't able to match up against. And DeAndre Ayton is 
arguably even better. Um, so that's, I mean, Arizona is my, my sleeper pick, if you want to call it that, um, for this region, because I, I do think I'm, I'm upset they drew Buffalo because Buffalo is a team I, I could have yeah. seen upsetting some people, but I think Arizona gets through that and following a close one to Virginia in the Sweet 16. But, um, yeah, I, I think Virginia will, will get out of this one, and I, I think Arizona is their biggest challenger. Yeah, I, I, like you said, I think that game decides the region. I think it's going to be an incredible Sweet 16 matchup for everyone. Um, but, yeah, like the, the bottom half of that bracket doesn't really do it for me. You know, I, I really like Nevada, but they've just been playing like shit lately. Obviously, they're not wholly healthy at this point. Again, Cincinnati just can't score, and then everybody's calling for Loyola over Miami right now, which people clearly forget Miami's got some good players. But, yeah, it's it's tough to see anyone besides Virginia or Arizona making it out of that region. Okay, and speaking of, if you're not going with um, Loyola over Miami, is there anything jumping out at you in this region um, with, you know, likely upset that you think is going to happen? I do take Loyola. I I, took uh, it okay. I don't I don't want to be the guy to not take Loyola, but I just oh, that's good reason. I just wanted to put everything in that uh, or put it in that I think Miami is a good team and they've gone fairly under the radar in the ACC this year because it's so top heavy for those teams too, North Carolina, Virginia, and then obviously Notre Dame gets Bonnie Bolson back and then they're the top of the town. Well, Miami quietly finishes what top half of the league in, in the top twenty five. Yeah, then they ended up um, there were there's some ties which affected you know, seeding ties in the standings. Um, they ended up with a three seed in the ACC tournament. Um, very quietly, like you're saying, been pretty underwhelming. Honestly, you're a team that came into the year, um, basically top 10 team. Loyola is also my, my upset pick. I actually have them going to the Sweet 16. They're, they're good on, on both sides of the ball. They, I mean, the, the biggest win of their season was at Florida. Um, not, Gonna have, you know, a huge resume to, to pull from, but they shoot extremely well. Um, they're one of the, the best shooting teams in all of college basketball and they defend extremely well. Um, and I don't know if you saw the Missouri Valley Championship. Their passing is absolutely insane. Right. As, yeah. And they're able to get, you know, whatever shot they want, basically. Um, and it's, it's just kind of a, a prototypical March team, you know. Not necessarily going to have the the individual star power, though they do have very good players, um, you know, of a team like Miami. But I mean, I I like them to beat Miami, and then I, the way kind of season playing, I think they can uh, upset the Volunteers as well. Yeah, that's kind of going into my sleeper team is Nevada because I think if they get healthy and they play well, they can easily beat Cincinnati. I mean, they can run them out of the gym essentially. Cincinnati would have to dominate the tempo, and in that they can't turn the ball over really, and they've got to get some shots. But I think Tennessee is a very beatable preseed. You know, it's not it's not a team that you're really too afraid of at this point in the year. So if there were a team that I think could sneak into the Elite Eight, it would be Nevada. But yeah, again, interesting. You know, bottom half of that bracket. Yeah, and I mean, based on the S curve, Tennessee is. Supposed to be, you know, the the strongest three seed, but I mean, I'm I'm really not buying it. Um, I mean, agreed on Nevada as the the sleeper pick. Um, their their roster, as we've talked about all season, is basically high major players. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not inconceivable to see them, you know, going on a run. Especially Cincinnati isn't the worst matchup in the world. I know Nevada did. It really struggled down the stretch. Um, ended up giving away a, a bid from a bubble team, essentially, um, by not winning their conference tournament. But they are—they're more than capable of of going on a run. And I don't know—it's—it's uh, it's really anyone's guess who is going to come out of the the bottom half of this region. I really, as long as we're not talking like. Right state um, or Georgia state, nothing would really surprise me that much. 
Yeah, RJ Hunter's no longer at Georgia State, so they're out. Unfortunately. Um, sad to say. Um, alright, so in terms of just individual players, you know, sometimes, as we've seen in the past, they can be capable of, you know, taking teams on runs all by themselves. Outside of a guy like DeAndre Ayton, who we've talked about at length, who, who are some guys to keep an eye on? So I think the, the biggest guy for me to watch is Jacob Evans at Cincinnati because, like we've said, you've said a lot of negative things, or at least I have so far about Cincinnati. They are one of the most efficient defensive teams. The offense is there sometimes, and a lot of the times it's not. He's the spoon that stirs the drink, if you want to go with that, that saying. But he's the guy that gets the offense going for them. If he can hit some shots you know, get them out to an early lead. That's where it gets going for Cincinnati. So, top of my list is Jacob Evans. Um, I mean, on top of that, it's, it's pretty much everyone in the starting five of Nevada because any one of those guys is capable of taking over the game. Yeah. Um, for me, really, whoever steps up for Kentucky. Um, yeah. is, I mean, Kevin Knox has had his moments. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has. Recently, Wenyan Gabriel has been shooting extremely well uh, from deep. Had a 7-for-7 game in the SEC tournament. Um, It's, I mean, and he's really the elder statesman of that group, which is ridiculous. Um, But he's a guy that if Kentucky is to go on any sort of run whatsoever, and that would likely involve beating Arizona, he's going to have to step up and you know, actually be a a leader, which is kind of a a weird request to make of a sophomore, but that's that's just the the reality when Kentucky's roster is constructed the way that it is. Right. I think Jared Vanderbilt's another guy to watch too because yeah. So often Cal has pointed to him and said like this is an energy guy for us when Wendy Gabriel might not have it. He's the other guy they look to. So I think and obviously he suffered you know injuries throughout the year kept him sidelined, so those two are, are pretty good picks for Kentucky, I think. Yeah, so uh, Virginia, Arizona, we're saying will likely decide that region. Of course, we have not gotten everything right before, so it's possible that may turn out to not be true. Um, but that's what, that's what we're going with right now. Um, nailed Gonzaga last year, so I'm just going to That'll, that'll buy us some, some equity for a little bit. Um, moving over to East, number two overall seed, um, Villanova, the one in that region, top five seeds, Purdue, Texas Tech, Wichita State, West Virginia. Are you sticking biggies here? Oh, yeah. Villanova, I will say, I think, I think this is probably toughest of the top five seed pairing or groupings, whatever you want to say. I 100%. slightly edge out the Midwest because I just don't think Clemson has it, and, and Auburn is just too tough to, to judge, kind of like Tennessee. I, I still am not bought in. I can't buy in on Purdue yet. I can't do it, especially with Butler hanging around there, and maybe Arkansas. Both of those teams rebound the ball pretty well. They get after it on the glass. They're, they're, they're tough-nosed defensive teams, and that's not really what Purdue likes to play. It's really contrasting styles. So to answer the question you actually asked, I'm going to go Villanova. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going Villanova as well. Um, I mean, they've been the best team in the country for the vast majority of the season, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I mean, great performance getting through uh, the Big East tournament, winning that title, despite spirited challenge from Providence. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with the Wildcats, Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges. Player of the year. And, and everyone else on that team. Incredibly yes. difficult to match up with. Um, who, who are we thinking for a, a sleeper? In this region, I know you're, as you said, not not too high on Purdue to begin with. It's got to be Huggy Bear, right? A five seed. He's got a chance. 
knock off a, a, an OK 12 of Murray State and then get Greg Marshall in the second round, really get his team primed for running it at Villanova. I think if there's anyone that's really going to be able to do anything, I think, I think it's got to be West Virginia. I think their biggest problem this year was blowing leads. And if they can just close, they're a, they're a great team. So, I mean, I know that's a lot to say, but it's it's one of those things where it's a fixable issue. Yeah, I I don't know. I have I have thoughts on West Virginia. I'll save for later. Um, for me, I, I think the the biggest challenge is an underseeded Texas Tech team. I know they faded down the stretch, um, but I don't really see anything that would indicate why they would be behind Tennessee on the speed line. Um, they are like Cincinnati, like Virginia, so good defensively. Um, Chris Beard, well-deserved. Um, I mean, all the all the praise he's getting because he's done a phenomenal job with that program. And, I mean, they're, they're basically the same thing as, as Cincinnati. It's defense, and then Keenan Evans needs to shoulder the load scoring, um, which when, when healthy, he's been able to do that. And I think that's going to occur again, I think. Should they run into Purdue, they have the defensive wherewithal to be able to close it out and really limit um, Purdue's shooters. And that's, I mean, that's really the the way you go about beating Purdue is you just kind of play everybody tight, let Isaac Haas try to get his, but, you know, that's not going to be enough um, to actually beat you. So I think Texas Tech Villanova would be a very, very, compelling clash of styles. That's what I have going on in that region. I I honestly have Purdue losing to Butler. I have Butler winning and then beating Purdue. Obviously, Big East is a little little bit of a bias here, but the winner of Arkansas, Butler, beats Purdue. I just, I don't see the going getting past either of those teams. I would not hate that. That is, that is my official stance on the matter. Um, alright, any, uh, are you seeing any upsets in this region potentially? So, the Butler one I already mentioned. I'm gonna go again with the trendy crowd and take Alabama over Virginia Tech. I think Virginia <laughs> Tech is a good team, but Colin Sexton is right. so hard to pick against. And then, uh, the winner of the St. Bonaventure UCLA game is gonna be Florida. Okay. I mean, somebody, somebody has to make it out of the first floor. I mean, it keeps happening every year. Yeah. Um, I, I got, uh, I have Murray State over West Virginia. And oh, this is, this is a West Virginia team that had the potential to be like a two seed, basically. If, if their season had gone, I guess more or less according to plan and basically like you're saying, not blow an inordinate amount of double digit second half leads, they would they would be right there. I mean they have the potential, they just knocked off um Texas Tech again in the uh the Big Twelve tournament. Fall apart in March, I feel like every year except last year was the exception. Um but I mean too too frequently a a pretty uh pretty disciplined mid-major-esque team is able to knock them off because, again, once West Virginia stops generating offense for itself through runouts and live ball turnovers, generating offense in the half court becomes such an ordeal. And I think Murray State is capable of taking care of the basketball well enough that they're going to be able to limit the number of, of live ball turnovers there actually are and, you know, be able to win the battle of attrition. I just think the press is going to be too much for Murray State. It's, it's going to speed them up, get them out of their game. That This is where it works best against these smaller teams that aren't used to seeing a guy like Kanate in the paint and that, you know, you break the press and then you think you got a layup and this guy just volleyball spikes it back at you. I mean, yeah, that's, those are the two possible results. Yes. 
I know you, uh, you mentioned him already, Colin Sexton, obviously. Dynamite player, um, great SEC tournament run. Um, he just led Alabama on. Definitely one of the guys in the region to keep an eye on. Um, who else you got? Jalen Adams from St. Bonaventure. The dude's gone off for multiple 40-point games. Hit 11 threes, I think, in one game. He has, he just has the ability to get hot and keep going. So, he's a dangerous scorer. I mean, obviously it's gotta be one of Carson Edwards and Dakota Mathias from Purdue is going to be a player to watch because they can play well. Purdue can go pretty far. Because you know what you're going to get from Isaac Hostel. He'll get deep. He'll get in the post. He'll score a couple buckets. He won't really rebound too well, but he'll be there to, to add, you know, at least 14 points. But, yeah, those those are the biggest ones. I mean, we touched on Keenan Evans already. If he can stay healthy and play well, that's, that's a dangerous Texas Tech team. Yeah, and uh, additionally for Purdue, Vincent Edwards, if he's, you know, 100%, that makes a huge difference for Purdue's host because he is the one kind of uh, tweener player in their rotation. And then, you know, they've got the Giants and Harms and Haas and then all of the guards, and he's, he's the guy that's capable of playing both positions, essentially. Um, then additionally, Chris Gioza, Florida, potentially some, some Marsh Magic. Once again, um, and then Keelan Martin on yeah. Butler. If Butler is to go on the run that you're predicting them to have, which is very possible, you know, he's going to have to continue to be big. He's, you know, one of the best players in the Big East and, you know, how high you are on that conference. So that's no small feat. Um, so yeah, those are, uh, there are a couple more guys that'll probably do a lot to determine how well their teams end up. Moving on to the Midwest with one of the greatest 16 seeds in the history of the tournament in Penn. Um, top seed Kansas. Got Kansas, Duke, Michigan State, Auburn, and Clemson. Uh, top five seed in the Midwest. Uh, who do you think gets out of here? I like Duke. I think they're just playing way too well right now. I feel like Grayson Allen's found a different level. Marvin Bagley is really good. As long as they don't run into North Carolina, which obviously wouldn't happen unless it was the title game, I think they'll be all right. I think they match up extremely well with everyone but Michigan State. I think that's like the evenly matched game, if it were to happen, I should say. Um, I, ju- I just like Duke, and, and we'll get to key players moving ahead. But, yeah, I, I think... I like Kansas a lot. I think Kansas is a very good team. I just don't know if they, if it got to that point, if they could really match up and, and play with Duke. Yeah, and to be fair, Duke-Michigan State did already happen, albeit at the start of the season. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much each team has progressed since then, if they were to meet again. Uh, Duke was the one team I basically pre-picked as a Final Four team before the bracket came out. Um, you know, stick with that after seeing their region. This is still, as I've been as I've been saying all year, um, the best team in the country. They just have to fully figure out how to put it all together. Um, I mean, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter, best interior combination in America by a few miles, and. Yeah, this is a this is a great region in terms of top three seeds. Um, I think Duke is ultimately going to add to Kansas's heartbreak um, in the Elite Eight. It's yeah, it's one of those things where the, a lot of the a lot of good teams that just fell off are in this region. So you've got dangerous teams all over the place. Not to mention the top. Two, three seeds, or, or three seeds, excuse me, are legitimate title contenders. That's true. Um, it's a really good point. Kansas is really the only team of note that's like out of the uh, the high major schools, um, and even Rhode Island, really. That's you know trending in the right direction. So it's, I mean, Sony's gonna have to figure it out. Right. See who that is. Um, who? Who you got for a, a sleeper in this region? 
it's got to be Arizona State, right? They're going to blow out Syracuse in the first four. Now, of course, this is going to come back and bite me in the ass with Houston yeah. 15. But they're, they were a team that was receiving first-place votes for multiple weeks this season. We know they can put it together and put together a run where they beat good teams and, and you know, are playing great basketball. It's just a question of if they can do it. But I think, you know, this is this is probably the team along with Oklahoma that has the highest ceiling if they can put it all together. Of of the lower seeded teams, obviously Duke has the highest ceiling of every team in the country. I'm not crazy yet, but that is that is uh, what what I'll say. So I'm going to go with Arizona State. I just think it's a team that's had it together, and you know if they're going to, this is the time. This time of the peak, you know, Hurley's always get the best out of their guys. We've seen it time and time again, and uh, this, this is where it comes in. I, I guess I have two answers for this. Uh, first, Auburn. Embarrassing loss um, to Alabama in the SEC tournament, wiping the slate clean. Uh, this is such a good offensive team. They have so many weapons um, with which to beat you and play at a, a pretty fun pace, so that's going to be challenging. To, to knock them out. And also, they're, they're really playing with house money. Um, kind of uh, another detail to note, and first time they're here since, you know, 2003 or so. Um, so this is going to be a, a fun experience that everybody's going to enjoy, and I think that's going to reflect in their, their play on the, the court, playing pretty loose out there. Um, Rhode Island, as well as as rough as kind of the last few games of their, their season, was after they, you know, clinched the A-10 championship. They are an extremely dangerous basketball team. Um, shout out Stan Robinson, former Hoosier great, uh, who's, who's really found his, his niche there. And, you know, Matthews, Terrell, all of those guys have the, the potential to, I mean, do a lot more than just beating Oklahoma in the first round. I, I don't get how Rhode Island's a seven seed. There's, we got to talk at the end of this about how the seeding, and then go on our little rants because St. Mary's got excluded, which is a goddamn well, trap. Yeah, event. we'll get there, but I still don't. I don't get how Rhode Island is a seven seed. Fair. Uh, seeing any upsets in this region? Yeah, I've got uh, obviously Arizona State. TCU. I just feel like TCU is a team that had had it together early. Obviously, floundered early on in the uh, Big 12 season, and then fairly quietly put it all back together to finish 500 in the conference. And then, you know, they just don't have Jalen Fisher, so that that kills them. And you know, they, they've got good players; they just are missing that lead guard to, to get them there. Uh, the other one I have is New Mexico State over Clemson. I am. Absolutely out on Clemson. Do not think they're a great team. I was laughing when uh, there was talk that they were a greasy when the, the original committee had let it out. I could not believe what I was seeing. They they just can't. They're not going to be able to handle this scoring from New Mexico State. Zach Lofton is awesome. He averages 20-some a game. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but he's good. This team is, is really good, so... Of all the five twelves, I think this is the most dangerous one. And New Mexico State defends really well too. Um, yeah. I have I have them knocking off Clemson. Um, I mean, they already beat Miami this year. Um, they're another team like Loyola, not didn't get a ton of opportunities for those marquee wins, but when they did, they took advantage. Um, they played USC very close as well, another team that should be in the field. Um, so. Yeah, Clemson, like every high-seeded team in this region, trending in the, the wrong direction. New Mexico State is a team that, you know, has more talent than their seed line would indicate. Um, they just don't have, you know, those quad one wins to justify really moving them too much higher up. Um, but I think they beat Clemson and get people to notice them pretty quickly. Make some noise, as it were. As they say. <laughs> um, obviously, players to watch has to start with uh, Bagley on Duke. 
you would say. Yeah. And I think it's got to take a trip to uh, Boomer sooner with Trey Young. I mean, this is a guy. Can he can he put it together and make a Steph Curry like run? Is it possible? Yeah, but I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, obviously, we mentioned the Rhode Island trio. Everybody on Michigan State. I mean, maybe Cassius Winston is the most important player to this team because he's got to control the ball and, and control the offense. But yeah, that and Zach Lofton, who I mentioned to Mexico State, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to him all at all. <laughs> oh yeah, Seton Hall's in this region. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the region with, you know, the most I, I think, unless I'm doing someone a big disservice, uh, number of you know All Americans with, of course, Bagley Young, Miles Bridges, Michigan State, um, Devontae Graham. On Kansas, um, also on Kansas, um, the Ukraine maker. Yeah. He's kind of a, an X-factor guy. If he can have, you know, a couple of those games where he's raining in four or five three-pointers that will, um, severely enhance their, their chances of making a, a final four or deeper run. Um, again, gotta, gotta give love to, Angel Delgado, if you want, um, he's a he's a pretty good basketball player. Um, going up against year seven in the first round should be a pretty interesting matchup there. I hate everything. I just, I hate everything. I don't. I, I can't talk about it. I just okay. Uh, we haven't won a game since Auburn last made the tournament, and I don't think it's going to change. I'm not. I can't pick against my boys, but I just don't see it happening. Okay. If it helps, I did pick against them, so maybe that'll a little bit. That'll turn the favor. Turn the a, there's a very high chance I'm betting against them, so no matter okay. what I win. <laughs> yeah, or no matter what you lose. Yeah, it, it's your, one or the other. Point of view there. Um, we can we can move on to the West uh, top seed, last number one um, Xavier. First time in school history they have gotten that distinction. Um, ten losses for the two seed um, UNC just that kind of season. Rounding out the top five seeds, got Michigan, got Mazags, and have Ohio State. Fairly wide open region, I would say. Uh, who? What do you think is coming out of it? This was a really hard one to pick because Ohio State is so hot and cold. Like they can they can dominate teams like Michigan, Michigan State, and then just get swept three times by Penn State. You know, it's it's one of those things where they can look so good and then be so vulnerable at the same time. Xavier really hasn't had too many hiccups. I think they lost to Providence twice. That's pretty much their season. And then obviously Villanova. North Carolina is such an intriguing team because we've seen them put it together and beat Duke twice this year. We've seen them lose to a couple teams that they definitely shouldn't have. And then we've got our boys, the Zags, the team of destiny, some would say, or some have said, on these airwaves. And are they underseeded? Probably. I probably I'd probably say yes. that. And, and I would they say are that. they're just a nightmare matchup for pretty much any of these teams. So to make a long story short, I, I totally see a machine, by the way. They're they're getting red hot. It's hard to see. I mean obviously the rest versus rust question, conundrum, whatever you want to call it. Will the, the time off affect them? They're getting hot at the right time, though, and they've got a pretty favorable draw to get to the Sweet 16. I'm going to go North Carolina. I'm not sold on the pick. I'm not locked in yet. It's gut is telling me North Carolina. Okay, and, I mean, realistically, North Carolina should have beaten Duke three times. Um, yeah. I'm a huge leader in Cameron if they let slip yeah. away. Um, going with the Zags, as I was telling you before we started recording, I did not want to let my my bias get in the way and, you know, have Gonzaga going on a, a crazy deep run or anything, but then I saw this region and 
I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do it. Um, this is a, and obviously I would say less talented team than the one that went to the national title game last year. But that doesn't really matter when you look at, you know, the, the potential path they could be taking. They absolutely have crushed Ohio State already. And I know a lot of time has passed since then, but have a lot of confidence in that rematch. Um, would it occur? Um, I mean, they'd be able to abuse Michigan on the inside in that potential um, regional final. UNC, I mean, Gonzaga is a a pretty overlooked team defensively. They're actually quite good. Um, and UNC, as always, I feel like we're saying this every year, they really don't shoot it well um, still. And, I mean, uh, a subpar game from either Joel Berry or Luke May would be enough for, I mean, really any team to knock them out and then, I mean, I'm just, Xavier's just kind of a one seed because we had to throw a fourth team there. Like, they don't really, they don't really strike me as, as that dangerous of a team. And I know they've had a very good season, um, one of the best in their history, but I'm not, I'm not blown away by them by any stretch of the imagination. I think the Zags are just the, the best team in the region. Yeah, if it makes you feel better, I have the Zags losing to North Carolina in the Elite Eight. So, I do have them. It does. <laughs> um, the thing about Xavier is it's such a weird second-round matchup that they have. Possibly Michael Porter Jr. or a Florida State team that people really haven't talked about at all this season. So, I mean... I, I know how this team works. I've watched them play quite a bit. It's They've got three bigs that they cycle in and out, and they can really just pound the ball down low and, and go to work, and then Trayvon Blewett will hit a couple crazy shots and then get open looks, and J.P. McCuro will just crash the glass, and that, that's pretty much how they win games. There's no as, – for as much as Blewett is the go-to guy, there's no guy that has shown – the ability to just say, I'm going to isolate and I'm going to make a play either at the rim or taking a shot, it's always blue at pulling up. They don't have any guy that can really get to the rim. And I think in March especially, you need to be, you need to have that guy that's not afraid to get to the rim and draw contact, force the officials to make a call instead of settling for a 30-footer, you know, in your, your fourth game in 10 days. Yeah, and I mean, especially end of game situations, last two minutes, it seems like every possession comes down to just dribbling the, the clock out of a single high ball screen, get to the rim. Yep. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have that capability, then yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough to win those type of games. Um, so, some would consider Gonzaga a sleeper, and I'm just gonna say they're my pick. What about potential sleepers in this region for you? I just I wrote down Gonzaga to piss you off. Um, Thanks. So I was hope I was hoping that would work, but I really think Missouri's got to be the sleeper. They've got such an unknown with Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, they just had an arrest. Their second leading scorer going down with a DWI does not help, obviously, but there's still a lot of talent on this team. If they can find the scoring to make that up, it's a pretty tough first-round matchup for Florida State and then a very dangerous second round for Xavier. Uh, I think I think Michigan's the, the second most likely team to win the region. Um, always seem to do this. This is not quite their MO because Michigan has just made its brand, you know, getting the 6-7 seed and then going on a little bit of a run. They were so good over the last month or so of the season, obviously winning the, the Big Ten tournament that happened about a month ago. And I don't know. I, I absolutely would not want to play them. They went um, – Agner's out there, five guys that can – 
pit threes. It's it's impossible to to really pick your poison and have any shot of of then beating them. I don't know. I don't. And I mean, Michigan keeps getting better defensively, honestly, too, which has never really been what Beeline's been known for. It's all about the offense, um, slower pace, space it out, hit a lot of threes. But I mean, Michigan's defending too, and that's it's a big part of why they've been able to become more and more successful as the season has progressed. Yeah, it's quite an underlooked storyline too. It's the battle of the U of M's, Montana. Don't forget that University of. So this would be a fun one. Big storyline. But yeah, we, I felt like we haven't had enough storyline talk. You know, we we totally glossed over Marcus Foster again his redemption game against Kansas State. But yeah, yeah I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly on Michigan. They're such a hard team to pick because. Normally, we'd be talking about how they won the Big Ten tournament today, just before the selection show. Now we're talking about it a week ago, which felt like a month ago, because we had like 700 college basketball games this week. So, I feel like it's tough to pick them out just because of that fact that, you know, they they haven't played in the week, and it's going to be another seven. Are they playing Friday, or are they playing Thursday? I don't even know. So, it, it... I mean, four or five days still before they play again, and that's I mean, it's all time adding up. Obviously, it can help you rest up and get healthy if you have any injuries, but at the same time, there's, there is such thing as, you know, keeping your rhythm, and when you're when a team's hot like that, you, you got to keep them on the floor. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe the ultimate uh, rest versus rest. And for uh, for all four Big Ten teams that are, yeah. that are in the tournament, um, not just Michigan, um, but they, they have the longest layoff too, so that'll be really interesting to see with that. Yeah, but Michigan, I think, um, to your point, definitely would be the the best case study of that because they have they are the team unquestionably that is playing the the, the best over you know their last however many games. So they are the team that would really be affected negatively by getting out of that rhythm. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Just exactly how much of an effect it does have. Um, I've I've got I've got one upset that was pretty much the second the bracket was released. I was uh I was hammering that in. Um, are you seeing any any upsets in this region? I took Providence over A and M. Again, not sold on A and M. They were they're free falling essentially throughout the season, and the Friars are playing really good basketball right now. Even with Ed Cooley ripping his pants, he can still coach a hell of a game. That was that was the upset. I was contemplating San Diego State against Houston. Thirteenth year senior Malik Pope is finally in the NCAA tournament again, and I, I'm just very happy for him overall. I just don't know if they have a good enough team to take down Houston. Uh, yeah, honestly, I think you could have switched the seeds um, for Providence A&M, and yep. nobody really would have complained. Um, I have Providence winning that one as well. Um, the one I was talking about was South Dakota State, and oh. just Marsh legend Mike Dom. Mike uh, Dom, only a junior. Yeah, um, over Ohio State. I mean, he could transfer into yeah, really insert program name here. Um, he is just been so dominant this year. They really should have won um, when they played at Wichita earlier in the season. That was a first reminder that, yeah, he's still here and kicking. Um, obviously, the supporting cast is limited. It is comprised of, you know, Summit League players, but I think I think they're uh, they're enough to, to knock off Ohio State and then meet a timely end at the hands of Gonzaga. Imagine Mike Dominic Duke, Jersey. I, that, that was the school I was thinking of. That is exactly where I pictured him because he, he he's like Christian Leitner 2.0 almost. I mean, I don't think he's as good as Leitner, but he would fit in that role perfectly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Duke always, always is able to make their, like, especially white guys, just super hateable. Yep. Um, it's been a bit of a... A rough stretch in that department is, you know, such a big fan of, of Ryan Kelly and then Luke Kennard, but O'Connell, 
He's coming. coming. Grayson Allen obviously has held that mantle, but his time is, is about to be up. Um, yeah, so the, the Jackrabbits, watch out. Um, I mean, Mike Dom is the, the greatest example of a player to watch in this region. You obviously have to throw Michael Porter Jr. in there. Basically, first game out, lost to Georgia, working out the kinks. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, what, what ends up happening for Missouri, what type of team they come out as. Um, and then, you know, take your pick on Gonzaga. I'm going to throw Zach Norvell out there, I think, as he goes, the team goes, really. Um, also, Rui Hashimura, um, coming off the bench, he's, he's another guy. If he, if he has a good game, it usually means Gonzaga wins. Um, I mean, those two guys, not necessarily the, the biggest stars on that team, but the most indicative, I would say, of, you know, how the team actually ends up doing. Yeah, I think, I think you hit on a couple of the big guys. I'm going to go on the other side of that South Dakota State upset and say Kata Bates-Diop, he obviously – I think he's going to be guarding Mike Dom. So that's a hell of a matchup right there. Just those two together. Uh, Houston's Rob Gray. Houston's been winning games despite Gray playing decent basketball. He was playing really well earlier in the year, and they were winning a little bit. It wasn't anything special, and then – they went on this great run through February and March where pretty sure they beat either Wichita or Cincinnati, and he made three total field goals in the game. So they're figuring it out without their best player, essentially, leading them in scoring, which is, I mean, obviously it's a great thing for everyone's favorite college basketball coach, Kelvin Sampson. Um, I, I was going to say, fun fact, uh, two out of the last three IU coaches are in the tournament. And Tom Crean is all over the screen of ESPN. I mean, Mike Davis deserves a a better job than, you know, just bringing Texas Southern to the NCAA tournament every year. He does. He really does. It, it's actually astounding that he's still stuck there. But maybe he likes yeah. it. You never know. I mean, yeah. I, that is, that is, yeah. I think he's, he's fairly comfortable there. Um, but now that I think his kid, is uh, done with high school now. He'd be a guy that I think, you know, a school like Georgia or Ole Miss could do a lot worse than, unless, you know, they end up getting bad motto over Georgia. Right. Or Rick Pitino. Yeah. <laughs> Which was wild. Interesting. Uh, the, one of the last guys, Theo Pinson, I think, is, is key for North Carolina. He's not really relied on as a scorer, but has been doing it a bunch of different ways this season. And it feels like he, I, it's hard to put into words, like I perfectly describe him as a player. He kind of feels like a mix of Sean May and Rashad McCants from that 05 team, where he figures out different ways to affect the game. Obviously, Sean May was an incredible rebounder, and the McCants had a really good all-around game. Not necessarily, you know, the best scorers out there, but they were able to affect the game that way, and I feel like that's Pinson's role. And then Providence, the upset team that we both picked, it's got to be Kyron Cartwright, point guard that makes it all happen. He's got a great mid-range jumper. He can get his teammates involved. Again, Friars are a dangerous team. Yeah, I forget who said this on Twitter, but Pinson, you know, one of the best college basketball players in, you know, recent memory that does just not have a jump shot. Yeah. Or, you know, shooting ability. He just does everything else so well. No, he doesn't have to. Exactly. Um, kind of Ben Simmons-esque in that regard. Um, so to recap, yeah. Virginia, Villanova, Duke, and Gonzaga is my final four. My champion, you'll be happy to know, is Villanova. Very much so. Um, do you have, do you have the same? I have, okay, Arizona, North champion. Carolina. I have, Villanova's the champion. They beat North yeah. Carolina in the title. Villanova beats Duke in the final four. Okay, so half of our final four is, is the same. Um, it pains me so much to pick Virginia, but just, I, like outside of Arizona, I just that that region is just 
so weak to me. Um, you know, that's, that's something to look forward to. Um, you know, we're picking Villanova to cut down the nuts in San Antonio. We'll see if that actually pans out. Before we leave you, though, let's talk about um, this bubble, I would say, fiasco. Yeah. That happened today. Um, I think it was, honestly, like, part of part of the show this year and the, the format really helped sweep that under the rug where really the only one I was looking for and realizing as it was happening was Notre Dame. And that was partially because Ernie, you know, actually called attention to that during the broadcast. But like St. Mary's was one I was just kind of sitting there. And then I realized we were, you know, at Xavier. I was like, wait, we never, they never said St. Mary's. Um, yeah. What the fuck? I, Again, I couldn't couldn't watch this because I was at work. But when I saw St. Mary's wasn't in, and then had a coworker trying to argue with me that Loyola is a Sweet 16 team and they should have been a seven seed, I couldn't. I just couldn't do anything. What? I, I almost imploded. So they're like, "What? Well, what's the resume?" I'm like, "St. Mary's beat Gonzaga. All right, Gonzaga should be a three seed." potentially even a two-seed if you want to go that high. I think a three would have been a good spot for them. And they're one of the best teams in the country. Loyola beat Florida, okay? Let's, let's calm down there. This is a Wichita stateless Missouri Valley. All that being said, to leave St. Mary's out for Syracuse, UCLA even, is a joke. Yeah. Misseeding miss aside, like, I think there are a lot of teams that are misseeded in this tournament. It's not as egregious, I'd say, as as maybe last year or two years ago when Gonzaga, again, recurring theme here, when Gonzaga got an 11 seed. I I don't, I just don't get it. How how do you... Okay, I do get it. It's the Quadrant 1 wins, which is nonsense because you're essentially punishing a team because other coaches know they're better than their team or they're too tough of an opponent, so they're not going to play. Who's going to play St. Mary's? Of all the teams in the NCAA tournament, who's going to go play them? It's something It's something that Gonzaga struggled with for forever, as long as they've been relevant, really. I'm gonna, the, the, uh, the Sports Center tweet about it right after this, um, it, was, it was innocuous. It was just you know, lifting teams that ended up on the on which side of the bubble. But I'm going to read you this list of two, two groups of teams, and I mean they're they're basically flipped. You have Group One: Arizona State, Oklahoma, St. Bonaventure, Syracuse, Texas, UCLA. Group Two: Baylor, Louisville, Middle Tennessee, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, St. Mary's, USC. If you had no idea. If, if you were, if you're told only one of these groups featured teams that got in, you'd say the second. Yep. But that's the opposite of, of what happened. I mean, USC is one that's really getting swept under the rug because they weren't even the most egregious, arguably, but I don't, I don't understand how they're not in, especially if you're putting, you know, UCLA and Arizona State from their conference both in, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And Quadrant One wins is just the latest thing the committee is doing um, in the area of emphasis, and it literally changes every single year just to fit whatever they're trying to sell us. Yeah. I think Oklahoma State was a tough one, too. I mean, look, look how they finished the year. The wins over Kansas, let alone, I think if West Virginia had closed out against Kansas in either one of those games, they're probably a four seed right now, maybe even a three. And a team that beat Kansas twice can't get in? That's insane. Yeah, not to mention, um, I mean, their, their last game before that, um, before their season ended at the hands of Kansas, they, they beat Oklahoma again. Right, right. And, Ooh. I mean, Oklahoma ended up getting in exactly. comfortably. Oklahoma and so. Texas getting in comfortably was wild. I thought... Of those D, I thought Arizona State would probably get in as a 10 seed. I thought St. Bonaventure would be around a 10 seed. I figured if UCLA got in, they'd be one of the last four. 
I thought Utah was in better position than UCLA was. I also, I obviously thought USC was, if you've read anything I wrote the past couple of days. Um, I thought USC was off the bubble. I thought they were fine, you know, probably in a 10 seed range as well. But, I mean, you look at these, some of these teams that they put out here, and it's like Texas and Oklahoma are nowhere near where Butler and Providence have been playing right, recently. Right. And, Honestly, I think one of the bigger issues for especially Butler and Providence is the fact that Xavier and Villanova were both one seeds. You can't put them in the 8-9 game in those regions, and then obviously Creighton and Seton Hall are 8-9 or 8 seeds. So it's just like a clusterfuck that forces them to push a team down. It's almost it's almost detrimental that they had those two one seeds. Yeah, that's a good point. That, I mean, that... That really affects seeding because basically yeah. the way the way that they ended up assigning teams, the S curve would suggest that you know Texas is the best ten seed, which I think we can both agree it's clearly isn't the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's every year, every year. I thought, like I said before, I liked the free whatever, the, the pre-release so we could get an idea of what they care about this year. And they undersold the crap out of it. They did not mention anywhere near this level that this is what they were going to look at. What they should do instead of the top 16 teams is the bottom six, the last 16 teams that get in. That's what they should release. Then you'd have an idea of what the hell they actually give a shit about. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's that's more the, the area that you know, if they're going to have some transparency during the season, that's absolutely what it should be. Cause, I mean, who cares about or, the top fours? I don't really care as much. Yeah, it's like it's it's nice, it, it's whatever. Um, but I don't really care for it much in the first place, and I think it would be a lot more beneficial, not only for the teams involved, but also for the committee to actually, you know, hold them accountable. You know, to do something like that. Um, right. But. There's yeah, there's a lot of a lot of justified frustration from you know from teams that thought were were pretty comfortably in the field. Yeah, I, I just don't even know what to say at this point. Well, I mean, now more than ever, just gonna need Gonzaga to carry the flag for the West Coast Conference, basically, is what what it comes down to. They're back. They're back on their own. Lone wolf. Whatever you, whatever you want to say. I don't know. They got a good draw. It's, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's always fun. March Madness is probably the best tournament of anything that, that's run in sports. So it's just, you know, I can't wait to crumple up my bracket after Thursday afternoon is over and, and say, well, there's always next year. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I. Uh... I was a Gonzaga win in the national championship game away from winning all of my pools last year, but obviously it went the other direction. Um, yeah. So hoping for a little different fortune this year. We'll see. Um, Going to be riding the, the Zags hard course um, on Twitter and elsewhere. But, yeah, I mean, first four is, is a nice little preview, but Thursday when they uh, – Turn all the, the TVs at work over to CBS and TNC. The best time of year. My, there's a firewall at my office, so I can't watch any games. We can't get internet radio. We can't do any of that. There's a TV in the conference room, but I don't know if they'll let us use it. Just, yeah, just be in conferences all day. Yep, I'm scheduling well, I'm sure <laughs> so, so, I mean, I'm sure they'll understand. Yeah, you got meetings from 11 to 5. What's going on here? Got a plan for next year? Yeah, just trying to get out ahead of the weekend. Um, Of course. All right, so that is is our our preview show for the 2018 tournament. Um, Seton Hall is participating again. They are. I know, kind of glossed over that. We did, Um, big time. Um, Yeah. Hey, this this is it for the seniors. They, they... They said when they got to campus they were going to make a final four. This rate we are praying and begging every deity there is for a win in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean this this would be the year to to make that run. So we'll see 
they do it, and we'll start against NC State in that first-round game, and then uh, maybe Kansas, if they're able to to win on uh, their Thursday first-round game. I don't have IU, obviously. Uh, got former coaches, former players, um, Devin Davis, Dan Robinson, you know, it's notable, Emmett Holt, um, not playing. He's been out for Providence, but he he's in the tournament, too. So, uh, fun times. Riding the Zags, um, hopefully, will make me as kind of happy as last year. Um, any any final thoughts? Go Zags. See you next week. All is tipped. There you are. You're for your life. You're a shooting star. All those years, no one knows just how hard you work. But now it shows that one shining moment you reach deep inside. In one shot.